Welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with trendsetters who are leading innovation in public safety and expert advice on growing your own post-law enforcement business. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Welcome to episode 35 of the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. In this episode, we are going to take a closer look at a new ID scanning solution that actually works for verifying identification and detecting fakes. Mark Baxter is a current cop, budding copreneur, member of the exclusively of a CEO community, and friend. In this episode, he is going to share some of his lessons learned so far on his copreneurial journey. If you are a budding copreneur yourself, my hope is that this episode inspires you to pursue your idea too. All right, let's get after it. Mark, welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. It's good to have you on. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, it's my pleasure as well. I've been trying to get you to come on the show for a little bit now, and you've kind of been uh, hemming and hawing, and I finally got you here. See, I I, I got my way. Yeah, I give in eventually. <laughs> well, today on the show, we're going to talk a bit with Mark about detecting fraudulent identifications and technology in order to do that, which is what Mark does with his company, SureScan. So what can you tell us about SureScan? What, what does it do, and why is this an important problem to solve? Well, SureScan is a company that came about because of my experience with battling fake IDs over the last, say, since about 2010 when they got uh, prevalent coming overseas from China mostly. What had happened was we started seeing an influx in these high-quality fake IDs that all the, the retailers and even you know officers were scanning and they were coming back as as good and you know they were being scanned with the police computers for issuing tickets and they were coming back as a you know it's not checking the authenticity of the id it's just taking the data and filling in a form on a citation and then they would get summonses for people who didn't even exist or it wasn't even the right person so that's when i knew it was becoming a problem so that's when i started researching different solutions other than the typical manual checks, which can be cumbersome if you don't know what you're looking for. So that's how this came about. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how the world of counterfeits work, right? I mean, there's always, uh, it's always a, a game of cat and mouse trying to stay one step ahead of each other. And I've seen some pretty convincing counterfeits out there myself. And obviously for law enforcement, that like you said, the big problem is that uh, when we issue a summons, especially with a lot of these systems out there now and connected to the MDTs in our patrol cars, you know, we scan those and it goes right into our system and, and creates the summons or citation. And uh, like you said, if it's not an authentic identification, then you're issuing a summons or a citation to somebody who doesn't exist. And I, I guess I personally see this becoming 
an even bigger problem here uh, with all of the police reform stuff that's going on. Certainly here in Colorado, they are actually moving towards making everything and a felony for and under a summonsable offense. And so now if you're summonsing people for felonies, we want to make sure even more that we have the right identification, that this is an actual person that we are issuing this summons to so that we can bring them into court. And of course, I won't dive into right now my personal opinion and get on my soapbox about how stupid that is. Oh, wait, I just gave my personal opinion about summonsing people for felonies. But anyway, that's where we are. And obviously, this becomes a bigger problem, right? In making sure that we have good identity on people. Right. And and I mean, the there are a litany of reasons why there's such a problem. You know, the primary one is that they're so easy to obtain these days because all you need is a smartphone and $50 to, to score one of these fake IDs. And anybody can do it, not just kids trying to get alcohol, but everyone. And, you know, it's not some out of date New Jersey fake ID with scissor cut corners. I mean, these are often better looking than the genuines if you were to compare the two. Um, and that's why, you know, I try and tell them with these um, ID books that a lot of these uh, retailers, for instance, like alcohol retailers have, you know, they're comparing these IDs to the book and they're often better than the ones in the book. So it's like, how are they supposed to tell? And I mean, you can't expect them to know every state and what every state, I don't even know that. And this is what I do for a living. You know, there's still times when I have to go look states up because I'd never see them. You know, you don't often see a Hawaii license on the East Coast. And, and, and of course, the, the fundamental concern is, you know, state-issued driver's licenses are the most common and the most prevalent form of ID. I mean, if you think about it, what's the first thing you ask for when you want to ID someone? Yeah. You ask for their license, you know, their ID. So if, you know, if you can't even get past that stage, then what good is the rest of everything you do? You make an excellent point there, too, that I didn't think about, and that's that... Uh, you know, if I'm somebody with nefarious intentions buying a, a fake ID, you know, if, I, if I'm in Colorado, for example, chances are I'm not going to buy a Colorado fake ID because law enforcement in my area are going to be more in tune to detecting a fake ID that is inauthentic versus buying a fake ID from a neighboring state that is easier to, to pass on, you know? So, um, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. I didn't think about in this conversation. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's, that's the biggest thing is, you know, most people know what their state looks like because they have one of them, you know, and they can just pull that out real quick if they're hesitant and, and compare it. But if I'm in New Jersey and, and someone presents me a, a New Mexico license, uh, okay. You know, I've never seen one of these. What am I supposed to do? You know, I can, yeah, I can run it through dispatch, but say you have 10 people there, you know, say you go in and do a bar check or something and you have, you know, 30 people that look underage, you're not going to, you're going to run every single one of those through dispatch. You'll be there forever and they'll, they'll hate you for it. Yeah. So that's the, you know, that's the concern and, and the fact of the, the prevalency of them. I mean, just between September of 2019 and March of 2020, there were more than 27,000 fake IDs seized through three airports by Customs and Border Patrol. And that's just three of their locations. I mean, 27,000, you know, fake IDs and fake wow. ID materials. And it, what I've heard is it's only gotten worse since the pandemic. 
you know, because everyone's drinking, not just the adults, you know, the kids want to drink too. And everyone's hurting for money. And I presume that people are trying to move around a little bit more uh, anonymously as well. So interesting stuff. I, I, I guess um, my next question for you, Mark, would be what is different about the SureScan technology? Because we all understand how a, an ID scanner works, right? I mean, you're not talking to an audience here that needs an explanation of, of how that works or anything, but what what is different about SureScan and, and the confidence that it can give as far as uh, actually identifying the authenticity of a document? Okay, so as you said, most people know how an ID scanner, you know, your typical ID scanner works basically just translate the data that's encoded into the mag stripe or the barcode and then it spits it out and you know depending on the the end user you know if it's checking for age verification it's going to do the calculations and tell you if they're 21 or not so basically all it is is an expensive calculator because that's all it's doing unfortunately they're being marketed as fake id detectors or if they're not being marketed as that there's the assumption that they are detecting fake IDs. And the only time it really can accurately detect that an ID is not genuine is if the counterfeiter is lazy and doesn't put something in there like a height or something that should be there. And then it'll come back with an error. So that's the only time it really will detect that, those type of scanners. As far as um, SureScan goes and what I'm um, offering is, so it, it goes back to, I was always a staunch opponent of ID scanners, primarily because of the reasons I just told you. Um, and it gave people a false sense of security if they were scanning these licenses and they're not saying it's bad, or if they say, okay, they're 23 years old. So it was given a false sense of security. So I came upon, when I was doing my research, because of the influx of these IDs, um, I came upon one that touted a you know, 98, 99% accuracy rate. So of course, being skeptical, you know, I was like, nah, they're just saying that because everyone says it. Um, and then I started hearing more about this technology and the software. So I contacted the manufacturer and the developer of the software who happens to be um, IntelliCheck, which is a prominent company oh, yeah. in the United States. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, so I spoke mm -hmm. with them and I spoke with, you know, the people that were in, in charge of the development of this application and software. And they allowed me to test it out. I told them, you know, what I did for a living. I told them, you know, my experience, basically that I was, you know, a fake ID expert in, in the courts and all that. So they ended up giving me a, um, let me try it out. And I tested it on numerous fake IDs because I deal with hundreds every year in a normal year, that is not this past year. So what happened there was I spent about 18 months testing this out because I wanted to break it. I wanted it not to work because that was what my whole thing was. These things don't work. You have to do manual checks. You know, you have to know where the microphone is. Here's your magnifier. You have to carry this around everywhere, your UV light. But what I found out, it blew me away. It, I found it to have a 98% accuracy rate with all these IDs I threw into it even the, the newest ones from overseas, they were being detected. And I was just amazed. So the way this comes about is that this technology is actually authenticating the barcode. It's not 
it, well, it is reading the barcode, but the first step is it authenticates the barcode in that it's a genuine barcode that's issued by the state DMV it's purported to be issued by because, you know, they all have different algorithms as far as check digits and whatnot. That's what this does is it authenticates the barcode. So that's how it's different. It's not just reading and spitting out data. You know, the first, the absolute first test it does is if it's an authentic barcode. And then it does all the other stuff to make it easier for everyone. It gives you their, you know, what their age is, the date of birth, what the name is. So that way you can check to make sure that name matches what's on the ID. And the picture, obviously, you want to match. It's not going to do that. But, you know, there's certain manual checks you still need to do. And like I tell everyone, this isn't, you know, an end-all, be-all solution. It's just another tool for the toolbox. And the more you have, the more accurate you're going to be overall. So is this a standalone device and solution, or can it also be integrated with, uh, you know, your MDT so that you can use that in place of the typical scanner for your citation and, and ticketing software? So it's a mobile application. So it runs off of iOS or Android. So, okay. you know, if you have some agencies might use tablets or something, but usually it's, it's easy to put on a phone. Um, and a lot of, you know, officers have their own phones. I know a couple agencies I deal with, they all have issued a phone, so they put them on their phones. And there's other agencies that I also provide a device with the software on it. So that way they don't have to do anything and it's separate and they can use that. And the way that came about was a retail liquor store was interested in it and they wanted just the app. And it was, you know, one of those mom and pop shops where there was like a husband and a wife. And I asked the husband, I said, are you going to be there every hour that it's open? And he's like, no, I work during the day and my wife works at night or it was vice versa, maybe. And I said, well, what's going to happen when you, you leaving your phone with your employees? Are you taking your personal phone with you? And he's like, oh, I'm not leaving it there. I was like, okay, well then what's the purpose of having this? You're not covered because you have it with you at home, presumably, you know, what good is it going to do your business? It's not going to protect your business as it would have you know, I gave you a device and it just stays there plugged in. It's always there. It's not a phone. You know, you don't use it to get on Facebook. You're just using it just to scan IDs, you know, and to protect your, your license. So that's how that came about. And that, that's been probably my most popular uh, uh, setup is the uh, device. Okay. So do you have any like use cases or anything like that? Any stories of successes within your, your own agency that, uh, uh, you, you know, you've detected a, a fraudulent ID and maybe uh, made a big arrest out of it or something. You know, I mean, any anything that sticks out in your in your mind? Um, well, I will say that there's two benefits of it for law enforcement agencies. Um, the one is the speed. It's sub seconds. I mean, it, it's quick. As long as the network you're on isn't bogged down, you know, you put the, the ID behind the in the camera and before you even can get it back to in front of you, it's already given you a result. So it's the speed. And like I mentioned before, if you're going, you know, doing bar checks or you're working an event, I work a lot of big events, you know, you have a bunch of people there. You're not going to sit there and, and try and run each one of those through your dispatcher because there's, that's not the only thing they're there for. You know, you got a lot more pressing, urgent matters going on. It allows the officers to do their job more efficiently. Um, the other one is, it promotes efficient enforcement. So what it does is, you know, it keeps, it'll keep track of 
what the date and time of each scan, as well as what state was scanned. So the way that I've used that in the past with agencies is I've been able to help them analyze the most common times that fake IDs are used. And I've also, I mean, that comes in handy for alcohol enforcement agencies where you have a, a retailer who has the the software and they're scanning IDs and they see an influx of IDs coming in between say 7 and 9 p.m. on Wednesday nights. So that way, if you know the agency wants to do enforcement, they're not sitting there Monday through Friday trying to guess when these kids are coming in. They're going to know the prime time is Wednesdays between you know 7 and 9. And they'll also know what states they're seeing the most of. So that way, if you know they're out out and about, you know, working, and someone hands them an ID from, uh, you know, say Nebraska, you know, they'll know. Hey, wait, those are uh, we've been seeing a, a lot of those Nebraskas. Let me give this one a little extra attention. So that's where that you know comes in handy. I will say a little anecdote that yeah, I that's have. Helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, one of our law enforcement agency clients, they got their first big use of the technology at a large annual event that they do like a concert sort of thing. And after the event, I talked to, to one of the agents and, you know, they reported, they made triple the number of arrests for fake ID use than they did the year prior when they didn't use the app, when they were just doing it the old fashioned way, so to speak, you know, manually or, or calling each one in. So they got triple the number of arrests. And I think it was like 70 some in like a few hours. And it, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, and I've actually done some case studies where uh, retailers would use, you know, I'd give it to them to use and say, hey, use this. You know, I want, I'm, I just want to get, see how much of a problem this really is, you know, because that way I can gauge, you know, the problems. And I can also find out what states are popular, you know, for my own benefit. So the one I remember that was the most significant was it lasted three weeks. They used it for three weeks and they scanned 73 IDs with it. And 51 of them were found to be fake. So I was just blown away. I'm like, that, wow. that is, that's like 70%. That's crazy. I mean, and that's just the ones that they scanned. You know, that's assuming, you know, they're scanning all the ones that look, you know, underage or close to 21. But I was just, and that wasn't like scanning the same one over and over. That was individual. And it was just. I didn't even realize the problem was that bad. I mean, I knew it was bad, but that that was crazy. Obviously, it allows them to get yeah. more training and it gives them an awareness of what they should be looking for because they don't obviously know the problems that bad. You know, and as long as they're serious about it because you know, they're losing money by not making the sale. So I got to make sure that they understand that it's not about losing money, it's about protecting their community and you know, and their family members too. Oh, the dreaded unsubscribe. If you've been working on growing an email list for your business, you know that gut punch feeling you get when someone unsubscribes from your list, especially if they are someone you know personally. Whenever I'm working with a coaching client who is just getting serious about growing and nurturing their email list, inevitably I can expect an email from them dismayed and hurt by their first round of unsubscribes. They just want to know how they can stop the bleeding. I love to picture the looks on their faces when I celebrate the loss of their coveted list members and tell them, all right, it's working. You see, the purpose of your sales funnel, which your email list is part of, isn't just to nurture people into buying your thing. 
It serves a secondary purpose of eliminating those from the funnel that have no intention of ever buying your thing or who just aren't ready yet. Don't create for yourself a false expectation for your email marketing. Open and click-through rates aren't worth stressing about either. I subscribe to a litany of email lists whose emails I swipe away into the trash without ever even opening them. Understand that at its core, email marketing serves a single purpose, to put your or your business's name in your subscriber's inbox so they can see it, remember it, and swipe it away into the trash. That's brand awareness. So remember, the unsubscribe button is your friend. Because of that button, you don't have to worry about bothering people with emails if they don't want them. So instead of feeling let down when someone unsubscribes, learn to rejoice and move forward. That's it for today's business brief. The business brief is sponsored by leo2ceo.com. Everything you need to grow your post law enforcement business. So I want to shift gears just a little bit here, Mark, and talk about your copreneurial journey a bit, because you, you already mentioned to us, you're still on the job. Um, you started this business uh, while still in the midst of your law enforcement career. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could just share with everybody a bit, you know, what was that like for you? Uh, did you set out with the intention that you wanted to start your own business or did this kind of just, this was an opportunity that fell in your lap and you decided, Hey, I'm going to pursue this. Uh, well, in, in terms of this, in terms of SureScan, this was more of a, I was looking to do, and I, and I can go back and give you a, a brief history too. But as far as your question now, I was, I was looking for something to like a side hustle. Cause that's when this big side hustle thing was going. Cause I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit. So I was looking for something to do. And this sort of just like came upon me because I saw that it was working so well when I tested it. So I ended up recommending anytime someone asked me about it, you know, I'd say, forget about what I said before, you know, not all ID scanners are bad. As long as you get the right one that authenticates the ID and not just reads the ID. So, you know, when I was promoting it, so to speak, or just saying, you know, if you want, if this is what you're asking for, I, I would recommend this one. This is what I would get. Uh, the company asked me, you know, they're like, well, we're getting so many people from you. Can you help us out? And that's when we had a, uh, you know, I became an, an exclusive provider with them to be able to, you know, distribute the software. So that's how that began. It wasn't something I was setting out to do. I was actually trying at the time to think of other things to do. You know, I had like, you know me well enough, you'll know I have like, I keep like a list of all these things that I, I love doing. So, you know, I was going through it, trying to figure out which one of these can I turn into a business, you know? And I was like, uh, do I want to do this, do that now? And so I couldn't figure it out. And I'm like, well, this one seems the easiest, you know, it's, I don't really have to do that much. I do have a, a full-time job ended up being something that doesn't require as much of my time as some of the other ones would have. You know, and this was my expertise. I've been in the restaurant industry and law enforcement for more than three decades because, you know, as as my history goes, you know, at 12 years old, I started my own, my first business. You know, I started a lawn care business. And if it wasn't for a dang thing called school, I would have still had it. 
but I had to go to school and I had to focus on my responsibilities at school. So, you know, I did that for a couple of years. And then at 14, I had my first W2 job. And that's when I started my career in the restaurant industry. And I went from being a dishwasher, you know, at 14 to at 18, I was a kitchen manager at a restaurant. So I got some managerial skills when I was still a teenager, which was good. So then, I mean, I graduated high school and I decided, you know, I wanted to have, a, I wanted to get a business degree. I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to own my own business because that's what I was doing for all those years. The only problem was when I went to business school, I couldn't pass algebra. So that was sort of a uh, roadblock there when you can't get through the math portion. So, you know, that's when I said, what's my next best interest in law enforcement? Yeah, that doesn't require too much math. That's just like, what, adding up fines <laughs> for someone that gets a lot of tickets? Can't be that bad. So, you know, I, I decided to go to, to go to college. I changed my major to criminology, criminal justice. And then I joined the army. Hmm, imagine that. Went went to the army as military police because I wanted to get that experience. Because no one just hires you right out of high school. Sure, now they might, <laughs> but they didn't back then. Um, so I, you know, I did the whole army reserve thing. Came back, went to school. I also worked during the whatever off time I had. I actually had two full time jobs, and I went to school full time. And I'm still trying to figure out how I did that, but I remember I did because I worked like at Denny's on the night shift. And then I worked during the day at another restaurant and then the days that I wasn't in school. So it was, it was really weird. I don't know when I actually slept. You've always, you've always had that hustle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, you can sleep, you know, I can sleep when I'm dead. That's what I used to say. But, you know, of course now it's like, I just want to sleep on a rest. But, you know, I was doing everything from supplement sales you know, I did a uh, handyman stuff. I had a snow removal company. It's like whatever I thought I could make a dollar in, I would try. You know, I'd give it the old, was that college try? Is that what it was? Um, but, you know, right. speaking of college, eventually I earned my BS degree, which my BS degree, it's actually ironic that it's called a BS degree because that's about what it was worth to me because I only remembered <laughs> one thing that stuck with me. And that was business related. It was the 80-20 principle but it was in regards to the recidivism rate. Yeah. So that was the only thing for some reason that I remembered from seven years it took me to graduate a four-year college. That's because I had so many full-time jobs in between there. Finally, I decided to use my degree and that's in quotes, use my degree. Um, so then I went and I worked with the, uh, the FBI. I became a uniformed officer there um, because I wanted to get my foot in the door because I wanted to be an agent. Um, and I didn't have the right degree to be an agent at the time. So I figured I'd get my foot in the door. And then I realized when I was there that there's not much going on here. There wasn't any action. You know, I'm like, I was like 28 at the time, mm -hmm. you know, I was still young, I guess compared to now. And I was like, you know, I want to, I'm going to be law enforcement. I'm going to do something. I don't want to walk around and do all that stuff. So I want to actually go out and catch criminals, not wait for a terrorist to come get me. I want to go out and get them. So it's more about being proactive as opposed to reactive. So that's basically where yeah. I started and everything was, was always, I always had that in my mind that I was on to the next big thing. Like I'm just waiting for it to click in my head. Um, and a lot of times it did click. It was just, you know, my weakness, which is following through on these things would kick in. 
because you know, I remember when I was 13 years old, when I had my lawn care business, I said, I want to start one store that you can buy anything at, you know, you can go in and get groceries, you can go in and get auto parts, you can get a blade for your lawnmower. You know, it's, it was like pre Amazon, you know, and then Amazon happened. It's called, so it's like, Walmart. I had this idea in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Walmart, yeah. but you know, it was one of those things. And, you know, and that's yeah. happened a couple of times where I've thought of things, I think of things, and then I'm like, yeah, hey, that'd be a good idea. And, and then like years later, it's like, oh, the next big invention, the ring doorbell cam. I was like, hmm, sounds a lot like what I thought of 20 years ago when my car kept getting broken into. I thought of putting one in my vehicle. So every time, it, you know, the alarm triggered, it yeah. just started the video camera. But now they have something like that. I think it's called like the night owl or something. What sort of challenges have you faced, you know, starting this side hustle business while still, you know, on duty? And, and being part of, you know, having a full-time job in law enforcement, what do you think, like, what's been unique about that, you know, to being, being a law enforcement officer and starting a business? Well, there's, there's a few issues. I'd say finding the time to dedicate to it um, because I'm already, you know, I got my hands in a lot of stuff at my job um, and that's my main priority. So it's, this is basically when I have the time, the business. So that's, you know, and that's one reason I, chose this because it doesn't require a lot of my time. Um, the other, and I call them like roadblocks, but those are more like, you know, marketing to the right people, finding the right people to market to. When I do my trainings across the country, I'll mention it to the people in, in attendance, but those are usually, you know, line officers. They're not the ones that are making these decisions. So it's getting to that next level, the people that are actually making the decisions to purchase these things. Yeah, the line officers love it. They'd love to have it, but you know, they're not the ones with the checkbook, so to speak, or the, the credit card. And so it's just finding the, the right people. And, and once I do find those right people, I don't regard myself as much of a salesperson. And again, that's why I chose this product because it basically sells itself because there's not really much explaining you have to do. You show them how it works. Bing, there you go. Or as they say, bada bing, bada boom. And, and, you know, feeling like everything I do has to be top notch and perfect. That that's one of my top three, top four issues is just you know making sure everything gets done the right way because that's how I've always been for some reason. It just has to be done exactly yeah. right or not at all. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think my main obstacle and what what you said, where is this going? It's more of um, is not having a clear path, um, and I think that's my biggest thing. And you know, not having that mission in regard to where I see my business going. And not having some sort of specific goal to strive for, because everything else I do pretty much in my life, you know, there's a goal, there's an end goal. This one is just, uh, you know, because yeah. it started as I'm just going to do this and see where it goes. It wasn't like, oh, I wanted to do this all my life. So it wasn't like I had this big dream of being a, an exclusive provider of a uh, technology. So do you think that this business at some point becomes a full-time focus for you or, you know, is this just continue to be a side hustle while you finish your law enforcement career or is there something else completely different on the horizon? You think, again, I haven't really thought that far out. Um, that's what I'm hoping to, to, uh, do here soon, but you know, I do see it continuing. You know, I think it has a lot of promise, especially cause you know, it's not like you know, there's going to be some shortage of counterfeit IDs or, or fraud is ending or identity theft. Um, it's always going to be there. 
I think incorporating it with the trainings that I give is what I sort of see myself enjoying because I like giving my, you know, providing my trainings to, to other law enforcement and helping them be able to detect these IDs, whether or not they use, you know, this technology or they do it manually. There's something be, to be said for all of it. You know, it's just a lot of agencies don't stress the importance. Well, they don't stress what I feel is important, which is knowing what you're looking at the first time someone gives you something that shows who they are, you know, because that's what you're trying to determine right off the bat is who someone is. And 99% of calls, you're going to ask for an ID card of some sort. So again, if, if you don't know what you're looking for, and, and that's one thing that my mentor has this great quote that says counterfeit ID only has to be good enough to fool the person checking it. So it only has to be good enough to fool the person that, you know, the law enforcement officer, it's got to be good enough for them to say, okay, I believe it. You know, that's it. So that's the concern. And, and, you know, I feel like there can be a lot of work done with that. So that's, I think where I'm going to go with that. And, you know, it's a combination of, you know, education and tools. So I see those two can, can coexist and they fit well together. Not only tells you what you need yeah. to do, but it helps you do it. So that's where I think it, 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 it can benefit law enforcement um, immensely. Awesome. So you, you joined Leo to CEO in the private community here recently, and um, it's been awesome having you on board with that and being part of that community. We've certainly gotten to know each other a lot better um, over the last several weeks, but I wondered if you could share it all with everybody. You know, what has that experience been like for you and what sort of positive impact has that had on your business or your vision even for your business? Uh, well, I can tell you what I, what I love the most about it is the ability to interact with so many like-minded colleagues and, and share advice and throw stuff out there and see what other people are thinking. You know, we all have similar experiences being in law enforcement. There's a lot of people that I am around. Uh, they don't really have that same mindset of go-getters. You know, it, it's a lot of them are, you know, I can't wait till I retire so I can sit in my beach chair and, and throw my fishing line out. I mean, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, there's nothing wrong with it, but that's not my mindset. I'm always, like you said, I'm always looking for some hustle or, or something to, I got to keep myself busy, you know, cause I feel like if you sit, sit there too long, you're going to end up staying there. So you always got to keep fluid and, and keep in motion. You know, I always go back to that um, quote from the great Jim Rohn that says, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So that's why yes. I like, that's what I love about this community is everyone is, you know, it's like-minded people. Those are the people I need to spend my time with. And that's why I'm on there all the time. It's like, like, come on, somebody else get on. And, you know, it's, it's almost like if it could be live, that'd be great. Or the, you know, our open houses and our cohort meetings. It's, that's what I, you know, look forward to all the time because it's, you know, just like, you know, being with those people and, and shooting ideas and, you know, in real time, instead of, talking to someone that you work with and they're like, well, I don't really understand that. I'm just, I can't wait to go home and watch some movies or something. I'm like, I don't do that. <laughs> you know, that's not what I have in mind for my, that's not my retirement is just changing jobs whenever yeah. that day comes. It's not a, well, you know, it's finding a better, something better, the next step. It's like a step progression. 
Yeah. Well, you're really going to dig it then when we start doing mastermind groups. Um, so that, uh, that, that'll probably be your favorite thing to do is getting together with your mastermind group. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I've always, uh, had that word in my mind and said, where do I find these things? And then, you know, how are we, how am I going to find one that fits me? You know, I can go join a mastermind for SaaS owners or, or people that want to do business or interested in real estate investing or, you know, but where am I going to find, you know, th- I'm never going to find something that's like law enforcement officers that are going to retire and own their own business. Where am I going to find that at? It's like none of not nowhere around where I am. So that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, but, you hey, just did. <laughs> I just happened to be listening to a podcast, happened to be listening to a podcast while I was snow blowing one time after a snowstorm. Oh, nice. Hey, this guy, he's, he's right on what I was talking. Is he behind me? Is he hey. in my head? That's really interesting to hear that because that is not something I've ever thought to ask listeners before was what were you doing the first time you listened to the podcast? But that's actually really neat to hear because I can like picture because that's what I do too. And I'm like outside doing things or whatever. I, I look for a new podcast to listen to. And um, so that, that's neat. That's neat to hear you were snow blowing the first time you listened to the public safety innovators podcast. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's a menial task, it can't be anything where I have to think. Cause then I won't be paying attention and it's just like something in my ear. I might as well have music, but I like to pay attention. Um, right. Especially, you know, when I'm listening to, to ones like yours that have stuff that is really exciting to me, like drones and, and police stuff and starting businesses and all that. So tech, anything with technology and innovation, I'm, I'm game for. Awesome. Well, Mark, why don't you go ahead? Do you have any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to cover on, on the show here that we didn't so far? I mean, I just wanted to thank everyone that, that will listen to this. I never thought I had, I don't, I still don't necessarily think I have all that much to offer, but I guess everyone has their own little tidbits to offer. And hopefully people can gain something from what I've gone through. You know, I always, I always enjoy mentoring people that I am able to mentor that are coming into law enforcement, but that's not really what we're doing here. We're doing more of the going out of law enforcement. So, you know, I'm still not there yet. So. That's why I'm hoping to to pick stuff up, and if it's okay, I'd like to give a, I'd like to offer a gift for people that are listening. If if that's okay, if that's the right forum for this, yeah, go right ahead. So as a thank you for those listening, I wanted to uh, offer my. I have a document that I created that is the top five counterfeited IDs across the country. So any law enforcement officer or agency that would to like to get a copy of this PDF, I'd be more than happy to send it out to them. My contact information will be somewhere. Um, and then also, if they want to see for themselves how our technology can help them, I can offer a free trial to anyone that sends me an email from their agency address um, because it is a secure app. I can't just give it out to anyone. So if they want to send me an email from their official agency address, I can send them both of those. Well, I can send them the PDF and then we can um, schedule a time to do the app because that requires a little bit of, you know, a little bit more of my time to help get it going, but I'd be happy to do that. Awesome. Well, we'll certainly put that stuff in the show notes for this episode. And along with your, your email address, why don't you let everybody else know, um, exactly where they can connect with you. Do you have a website? Are you on social media? Um, what's the best way to, to find you and, and interact? So my website for the business is surescan.us and that's s u r e s c a n 
and it's dot us. Um, and then I'm also on LinkedIn. It should be just under my name, Mark Baxter. Um, it'll say a bunch of stuff with counterfeit ID and things like that. Um, be a bald guy, no hair. You can't miss me. There's a few of those around. <laughs> you know, if you send an email, the contact form on, on surescan.us, you can get a hold of me, or you can also email me directly. It's mark, M-A-R-K, dot surescan at gmail.com. So you can reach me there as well. And I'll, I'll be happy to answer any questions anyone has. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mark, for being on the show. And um, I'll also add in there too that anybody that wants to, you can also connect with Mark inside the Leo to CEO community. So uh, if you're interested in finding out more about that, you can just go to LEO to CEO.com. And it doesn't matter whether you type in the word two or the number two, it'll take you to the same place. So it's just LEO to CEO.com. You can uh, find out more information there about joining the private community um, and getting to connect with other like-minded copperneurs in that community that are starting and growing businesses of their own. So Mark, it's been awesome having you on the show. Good getting to know you and looking forward to seeing your business grow and getting to know you better uh, as well. So thanks again for being on the show. Hey, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for uh, the community. Doing great things. Look forward to more great things to come. Me too. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at psi.chat forward slash review. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other public safety innovators like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to psi.chat, click on episodes and search this episode number and you'll find all the links, descriptions and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.